Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Today is the 18th of April, day number 27 in the month of Nisan. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. From earlier this morning in Israel, as the sirens wailed throughout the country on this Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Remembrance Day, Holocaust Commemoration Day, what can we outside of Israel do to commemorate this day? That and much, much more on a Tuesday morning broadcast coming up on JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. Today is Yom HaShoah. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. We commemorate the um, Shoah, the Holocaust, through um, special programming gatherings that uh, essentially take place in Israel. There are some, of course, here in the United States, and kudos to those around the world who make sure to have a Yom HaShoah program, whether it be last night, and I was informed about some of the unique ones that were taking place last night in different areas of our area, Um, or today, different events that are happening today in schools and outside of schools. Um, Our friends at TABC, I got a notice yesterday in Teaneck, New Jersey, have a special program at 9.30 this morning with a very um with with an with an appropriate speaker i should say with an appropriate speaker and and there are many schools around that are doing similar things uh but nothing compares to what happens in israel from the siren that you heard earlier in the show that blared throughout israel earlier today uh as the country came to a standstill in memory of the six million uh to um to almost everything of any entertainment value being closed on Yom HaShoah, uh, to the somber mood that dominates the day in Israel. Last night I was uh, lamenting that so many people didn't even know there was a Yom HaShoah that had already started um, last night. Not a criticism, just a reality. In Israel, obviously, it's something that's so much more poignant and something that um, people take, not that others don't take it seriously, but take it, um, take it to heart in terms of how important it is to take a day each year to remember. Uh, today is also the 35th anniversary of March of the Living. Those of you not familiar with it, it is an amazing program that um, has uh, many people mostly youth, but many people from around the world visiting the uh, sites of where the six million were held and killed. And then marching as one, uh, knowing that today things are different and that today there is a state of Israel and that uh, today is, um, is a blessed time to be alive for those who are in the Jewish community. Uh, Today, the um, Holocaust remembrance events throughout Israel has a central theme, and that is the Jewish resistance during the Holocaust and the 80th anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. The Jerusalem Post reports Holocaust Remembrance Day began Monday night with a series of ceremonies across the country with the official state ceremony beginning at 8 p.m. at Yad Vashem. Six memorial torches commemorating the six million murdered in the Holocaust were lit at the start of the Yad Vashem ceremony by six of the about 147,000 remaining Holocaust survivors living in Israel. This year's central theme is Jewish resistance and the 80th anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising for the first time in cooperation with the Our Six Million organization. Yad Vashem held a memorial candlelighting ceremony in the Hall of Remembrance. The audience participating in the main ceremony 
Oh, they will hold a ceremony. We'll be invited starting at 5.30 p.m. to light a memorial candle bearing the name of a Holocaust victim before entering the ceremony. On Tuesday, the general public is invited to light memorial candles bearing the names of those who perished in the Holocaust at Yad Vashem at the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising Square between the hours of 11 and 4.30. That's going on right now. The public's also invited to visit the new Book of Names exhibit, the huge book presenting the names of the 4.8 million victims of the Holocaust that Yad Vashem has collected from its founding to the present. Yad Vashem is in a race against time to collect items and document the testimonies of as many surviving Holocaust survivors as possible and invites the public to coordinate such documentation. Information at the Yad Vashem.org.il website, Yad Vashem.org.il. At the same time as the main rally in the presence of President Herzog and Prime Minister Netanyahu, many memorial rallies were held on Monday night, the first of which was that of the Masua Institute in Tel Yitzchak, which focused on the importance of passing on memories to future generations. In the presence of the Defense Minister and the Commander of the Air Force, in which six Holocaust survivors also lit memorial torches, simultaneously the annual ceremony was held at the Testimony House Museum for Holocaust Remembrance in Near Galim, which this year focused on the story of Greek Jewry during the Holocaust, marking the 80th anniversary of the destruction of the large Jewish community in Greece. An up-to-date assessment of the situation of the Holocaust survivors living in Israel can be found in the data of the National Insurance Institute. Bituach Luomi, 148,500 Holocaust survivors live in Israel and are entitled to pensions as of last month, of which 65% receive a nursing subsidy. Out of those entitled to nursing care, 24% receive nursing at the most serious level. Moreover, almost a third of the Holocaust survivors in Israel are entitled to supplement their income with a veteran's pension to guarantee them a minimum income for subsistence. This includes 46,500 Holocaust survivors, of whom 69% are widowed, living alone, or unmarried, and only 31% still live with their spouses. 61% of the survivors are women. Uh, Director General, the National Insurance Institute, called on the public to be sensitive if there's a Holocaust survivor who needs relief and alleviating loneliness, and if necessary, contact the National Insurance Institute. If you know a single Holocaust survivor who does not receive an allowance or whose nursing condition has worsened, contact the National Insurance Institute for the senior citizen and their family. And there is a phone number that um, accompanies that announcement. So the siren went on for two minutes, two minutes of silence. Uh, at 10 a.m. this morning, uh, the memorial candle lighting at the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising Square at Yad Vashem will go until 4.30. The state memorial ceremony at Yad Vashem began at 1 p.m. And um, 10,000 people are taking part in the aforementioned 35th March of the Living. At 2 p.m., which is just around now, a half hour from now, uh, March, oh, maybe, well, I don't know, if, I, I assume it's only a six-hour difference, right? Uh, the 35th March of the Living starts in Poland, where 10,000 people will march from Auschwitz to Birkenau in delegations from more than 25 countries. The parade this year is led by 42 Holocaust survivors from Israel. Um, Holocaust survivors from Israel and around the world. Um, including... Uh, will be led by 42 Holocaust survivors from Israel and around the world, plus Education Minister Yoav Kish, Jewish Agency Chairman Daron Almog, third-generation descendants of Holocaust survivors Iris and Chaim Taib, Chairwoman of the KKL, that's Karen Kamet Israel, Yvat Ovadia Luski, Jewish-American businessman Robert Kraft, U.S. Ambassador to Israel Tom Nides, 
former U.S. Ambassador to Israel David Friedman, and tens of thousands of Jewish and non-Jewish youth from around the world. This is all happening at March of the Living in Poland as we speak. Holocaust Remembrance Day events closes at 8 p.m. with a rally at the Ghetto Fighters uh, Kibbutz entitled the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising School of Human Spirit to mark the 80th anniversary of the uprising in the presence of the Supreme Court President and Commander of the IDF Northern Command. So, as I said, there are things happening outside of Israel today and those schools and synagogues and, uh, and communities that put together programming for last night and for today, Kolakavod. Um, but in Israel, it really does feel like Holocaust Remembrance Day, like Yom HaShoah. I do remind you that a replica of the World War II-era cattle car used to transport Jews to Nazi death camps will be in Times Square as part of the Southern NCSY's Hate Ends Now tour to combat anti-Semitism, intolerance, and racism and to commemorate Yom HaShoah on the 80th anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. The exhibit opens at 8 o'clock this morning, today. Local elementary and high schools and community groups visiting throughout the day. The VIP event will be at 7 p.m. tonight with local elected officials and community leaders. It's all happening in Times Square, Broadway Pedestrian Plaza between 45th and 46th Street in New York City. We will speak more about this later on in the show. And this is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is a pretty effective way uh, to commemorate Holocaust Remembrance Day, especially outside of Israel. So those of you in the Times Square area today, take advantage of the fact that this replica of the World War II-era cattle car is going to be there in Times Square, Broadway Pedestrian Plaza between 45th and 46th Streets. Show your support for the project by going, by going and taking part uh, and uh, enhancing your day with some Holocaust Remembrance um, we don't have the um, incredible privilege of being in Israel and being enveloped by the entire theme of the day. We have to go out of our way to, to make sure that we keep in mind last night and today uh, that it is, in fact, Holocaust Remembrance Day. So do what you can. Try to uh, participate in the programs uh, as we described. And certainly, if you're in the Times Square area, do your best to be there today. Uh, at any point uh, between 45th and 46th Street to see the exhibit in New York City. More coming up. It's Holocaust Remembrance Day, and this is JM in the AM. Oh. Uh-huh. 
J.M. in the A.M. Yom HaShoah. The day we commemorate the 
Holocaust and Remember the Six Million. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsor digital radio around the world of web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, between Pesach and Shavuos, during the uh, period of time of Sfira Omer, we have a, uh, a bunch of very special, uh, interesting, and uh, worthwhile uh, days to be tuned into JMD. And not that every day is not worthwhile. Every day is, of course. But you, go, you know what I mean. Special days, like today, Yom HaShoah. Next week, Yom HaZikaron, Israel Memorial Day, and Israel Independence Day, Yom HaTzmod. Uh, Lagba Omer with our incredible music show. And, of course, Yom Yerushalayim coming up on the 28th of ER, which is the day we uh, commemorate the reunification of Jerusalem. So stay tuned to all of our great programming, all of our special programming here at JMNAM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Kali, it's on the background. to our news from Israel coming up on this Yom HaShoah. As you can hear, the Israeli radio is uh, Israeli radio broadcast more somber than usual because of the mood of the day in Israel. It's a mood that we are trying very hard to reflect throughout the world with our jam name broadcast. שלחוצ'ל מיד אחרי החדשות, אני לא יודעת מי אני. שיחה של ציפי גון גרוס עם שורדת השואה חנה מאיריב, ובניה גלעד, משורר וסופר, ויפתח איש חינוך ביד ושם. הנה חנה מספרת על האישה שאימצה בתקופת השואה. הנוצריה, אני מאוד מתגעגעת אליה. אני חושבת שהיא הייתה האדם הראשון שמתאהב אותי. הראשון שהיה לא אכפת ממני. אחר כך זה לא היה אותו הדבר. שר האוצר בצלאל סמוטריץ' קיבל מכתב איומים לביתו עם ציור של צלב קרס. מדווח כתב התחום הפוליטי שחר גליק. השר סמוטריץ' קיבל לביתו מכתב הבוקר, יום השואה, ובו נכתב באנגלית, המחזוריות ההיסטורית נשמרת, הקורבן יהפוך שוב לקורבן, תתכונן להשמדה ישראל. בפתח המכתב צויר מגן דוד ובתחות צלב קרס, יחידת מגן לאבטחת אישים פתחה בבדיקת האירוע. התבטאות מעוררת מחלוקת של קברניט טיסת אל על לניו יורק, שקישר הבוקר בדבריו לנושאים בין יום השואה למחאה נגד השינויים במערכת המשפט. כך זה נשמע. אני רוצה להזכיר את יום השואה כי דברים כאלה יכולים לקרות רק בדיקטטורות, ומדינת ישראל נלחמת על הדמוקרטיה שלה בימים אלה. מאל על נמסר בתגובה לדברים אנו מגנים אמירות פוליטיות מכל סוג שהוא של מי מאנשינו במסגרת עבודתם, בוודאי לא במטוסינו שלא יכולים להוות במה לפעילות מסוג זה. המקרה ייבדק בצורה יסודית על ידי הגורמים הבכירים בחברה. ידיעה שמסרה כתבתנו לענייני תעופה, עינב קרנר. חשד לחיסול פלילי בקיבוץ יפעת. גבר בשנות ה-40 לחייו נרצח ביריות בעת שתדלק את רכבו. צוות מד"א ביצע בו פעולות החייאה, ובסופן נקבע מותו. המשטרה פתחה בחקירה כוחות במקום. בית משפט השלום בתל אביב האריך בארבעה ימים את מעצרם של שלושה מאנשי לה פמיליה, החשודים בהצתת מתחם האימונים של הפועל תל אביב בחודש שעבר. השופט ציין כי ישנן ראיות חזקות יחסית, וכי מהן עולה חשש למסוכנות. 
כתבתנו בתל אביב, אנה פינס מזכירה שבתחילת החודש שעבר הוצאת המתחם לפנות בוקר באותו יום בו שיחקו האדומים נגד ביתר ירושלים. לא היו נפגעים, אך נגרם למקום נזק רב מאוד. מזג האוויר חם מהרגיל עד שרבי, בעיקר בהרים ובפנים הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. Thank <laughs> you. 
Say, dear, 
J.M. in the A.M. It is Yom HaShoah. Today is the day we commemorate the six million and remember those who perished in the Holocaust. This is a um, a day that um, is taken very, very seriously in the state of Israel, has been since its inception. Uh, a day that started in Israel with the sirens blaring and silence throughout the country. Uh, a day where Yad Vashem is, of course, the focus of so many activities. And uh, we're in a day that um, many places in Israel are holding ceremonies and um, really dedicating the day to the six million. You could not find a place last night or today that was open for business in a regular fashion in Israel, especially entertainment values uh, venues. Uh, throughout the world, we try to duplicate this. Kola uh, Kavod to those schools and shuls and communities that have had programs either last night or are scheduled to have them today. Uh, it's the least we could do. Uh, obviously, it's not the same. We're not enveloped by the theme of the day like they are in Israel, but hopefully people throughout the world will at least remember that today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. I certainly hope so. I want to thank those who have been commenting on the app. Yes. Listener, happy Zadie. This has been a great set of Dvekis and A.B. Rottenberg songs, something that we uh, often do on days like Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaShoah. And I appreciate that. We, we like when the music gets us into the proper mood. Uh, listener Miriam says, had an amazing Hazkara and Shirat David and Efrat. That's um, Miriam and Lenny Hulstock, our wonderful friends who we saw last week in the Holy Land. And yeah, like I said... Those synagogues around the world that are holding appropriate um, remembrances and ceremonies, thank you. Uh, Z Stein says, thank you for the beautiful, inspirational music. Thank you, the unusual Fort Lauderdale, for the Shoah Memorial last night. That's from Bubby Z. And yes, whether it was uh, down in Fort Lauderdale or any other part of this country or any other part of the diaspora, thank God, thank God, there are people who are... Uh, commemorating the Holocaust in an appropriate fashion. 
Uh, we're going to be speaking with, um, with many people this morning who are, in fact, involved in programs that are commemorating the Holocaust. It's also, by the way, the 35th anniversary of March of the Living, which is going on as we speak. I remind you that the replica of the World War II era cattle car used to transport Jews to Nazi death camps will be in Times Square as part of the OU Southern NCSY's Hate Ends Now Tour to combat anti-Semitism, intolerance, and racism. I am strongly recommending, uh, just like some elementary and high schools are doing and community groups are doing, I am strongly recommending that you visit the exhibit today. It'll be in the Broadway Pedestrian Plaza between 45th and 46th Streets in New York City. It's open from 8 a.m. until 9 p.m., which means it's there for 13 hours today from 8 in the morning until 9 at night. If you're anywhere near Times Square, show your support for a unique and very effective uh, exhibit. Really a unique and effective exhibit, I must say. And we'll speak to um, the people responsible for this a little later on in the show. Uh, But again, 8 o'clock it opens. It's there until 9 p.m. tonight. Broadway between 45th and 46th Street. Try your hardest to go, uh, especially if you work in the area. Uh, It's Tuesday, which means we have a Yeshiva League sports update. So we'll take a break from the theme of the day for a moment and go to our regular Tuesday uh, slot with Elliot Weiselberg and then come back with more. It's a uh, Tuesday morning broadcast, Yeshiva League sports update with Elliot Weiselberg now at JM in the AM. Thanks, Nachum. Welcome back to the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update as we begin our coverage of spring sports. On today's edition, we will bring you up to speed on soccer, girls hockey, and boys volleyball as the Diamond Sports all first kick into high gear this coming week. Good morning, I'm Elliot Weiselberg. We'll start off with boys varsity soccer, where all teams will be at least halfway through their schedule by next week. In the East, DRS and Hank have jumped into the lead at six points. The Wildcats are three and zero, with the Hurricanes at three and one. Their only loss a five three defeat to DRS before the holiday break. North Shore is right behind both teams at five points, two one zero and one. In the West, DABC currently sits at three and zero, two points better than Frisch and Kushner. The Storm have already defeated the Cobras in a high scoring seven six battle to open their campaign, and will take on the defending champion Cougars tomorrow night in Frisch. The Cougars cannot overcome the Cobras, falling to Kushner 6-3 to start their season. Meanwhile, last year's runner-up, SAR, remains undefeated in the Central at 4-0, two points better than Ramaz at 3-0. At least one of these two teams will have a one in some other column after tomorrow night when they meet up in SAR. In boys' JV, TABC and Frisch are your leaders at the halfway mark in the nine-team field. TABC at 4-0 and Frisch at 3-0. Frisch will look to square things up tonight when they face off with YDE. In girls' varsity soccer, SKA has jumped out to a 4-0 record in the East, with the next three teams behind them all stuck at two points. SAL and Ramaz are at the top of the Central at 5-0 and 4-0, respectively. Both were in action last night and came home with wins against Flatbush and Central, respectively. Meanwhile, out West, Frisch is at 3-0, but it's Kushner who has jumped out to a 5-1 record leading the West. Frisch has already gotten the better of the Cobras this year, but Kushner will look to even the score against the defending champs tonight in Frisch. Frisch, though, is in rare form having outscored opponents 47-5 in their matchups this year. In girls' JV, Frisch, SAR, and Mayanote have jumped out to the top of a seven-team field at 4-0, 4-1, and 3-1. Frisch took care of Central last night to take the league lead. 
Moving over to boys volleyball, Flatbush has blasted out to a 5-0 record. The rest of the league is all bunched up way behind them, beginning with SAR and Ramaz both 2-0, DRS, Mag and David, and North Shore all at 2-1, with DRS heading into a battle with 0-3 YD last night. Flatbush will have a chance to further their grasp on the top spot when they take on 1-1 Frisch in Frisch tomorrow night. Finally, in girls' hockey, Heschel has already played seven of their eight games, jumping out to a 5-2 and two record in the West. Their two losses have come to teams right behind them in the standings, Frisch and Kushner. Kushner is currently at 3-1, and one, and Frisch is currently 2-0, and oh, both looking upward at the defending champions, SAR, who currently sit at 4-0. and oh. In the East, teams are just hitting their midseason, as Hafter leads the division at 2-1, and one, and no other team has played more than three games. And that was your Tuesday morning Jam the AM Sports Update. I'm Elliot Weiselberg.
J.M. in the A.M. Ani Mamin with Aish here on a Holocaust Remembrance Day. Yamashoah here on a J.M. in the A.M. broadcast. A reminder, the uh, cattle car, uh, courtesy of the incredible uh, idea, concept, and work of uh, Southern NCSY based in Florida is going to be in Times Square, Broadway 45th and 46th Street. That's Broadway 45th and 46th Street. Between 8 a.m. and 9 p.m. today. It's 13 hours, 8 p.m., 9 p.m., uh, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. today in Times Square, Broadway, 45th Street. If you're in the area, do your best to go and see it and to um, to go and see it and to um, acknowledge that it's a very effective and worthwhile project and exhibit. Um, Okay. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechanishmas Harav Zevner Bilsavalevi and Zechanishmas Esther Basar Bilsavalevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Rosenberger Rebbe endured all of the horrors of the Holocaust. After his liberation, he had learned that his entire family had been wiped out. At that moment, he was like Dovid HaMelech, in which we learn in Shmuel, that Dovid HaMelech, his faith got greater. He became stronger in Hashem. And so too, the Klosenberger Rebbe often said, he quoted the Chovos HaVovos throughout his life, Elokei Hiravtani, Ve'erum, Azovani, Hashem, you starved me. You left me alone. And you caused me to dwell in the darkness of night. However, you showed me your greatness, and I have sworn. Even if I shall be burned in fire, I will not stop loving you and rejoicing in you. The great Rabbi Cheskel Herpness told over, there were transports that were sent to Auschwitz. No one was permitted to take any books, any svarim with them. However, there was one Yid, one Jew, who was refusing to let go of his Sefer Torah that he was holding on to. And he took it straight into the transport and straight on the train. When the enemy saw it, it was obvious that he wasn't trying to smuggle anything. He did it in front of everybody's eyes. When the train arrived at Auschwitz, the people were commanded to put down all of their possessions on the train, not to leave with a single possession. But this Jew, he hurried to get off. He had the Sefer Torah in his hands. The Germans came. They cursed him. They beat him. They mocked him. 
but he was seemingly unaware of anything that happened. A soldier came over, pointed his pistol straight at the man's heart. He threatened to shoot him. But the man would not give up the Sefer Torah. He was willing to give up his life. The two Germans looked at each other. They shrugged their shoulders. They couldn't believe it. He kept that Sefer Torah all the way until he reached the gas chambers. A Jew witnessed this. A Jew that was alienated. A Jew that gave up on observance. That even mocked Orthodox Jews. When he saw that, he made the decision on the spot to come back to Hashem, to ask Hashem's forgiveness, and for the rest of his life, remained loyal and dedicated to Avodos Hashem. May we learn from the great Kedoshim. May we learn from all of the survivors, their steadfast faith, their Amun and Hashem, their fire, their perseverance to carry the torch, to carry the Sefer Torah, to prove the Nitzchias, the eternity of the Am Torah, Am Yisrael. May their memory be a blessing, and may their schuyos shield over all of Klau Yisrael. JM in the AM, my thanks to Rabbi Goldwasser, those uh, very timely and poignant words on this Yom HaShoah on this Holocaust Remembrance Day here at JM in the AM. Our good friend Lawrence Burian is with us live via telephone. We've spoken with him before. We've had the opportunity to uh, discuss just how um, important a day this is for him and his family and extended family. And this time of year, frankly, with everything happening in the world of New York sports, uh, this time of year, it's uh, it's hard to have him on the air and not discuss some of the things that are going on since he once did serve as executive vice president and general counsel over at Madison Square Garden. Uh, but today we have a different theme. Today we have a different conversation. And Lawrence Burian is a member of the executive board of the American Society for Yad Vashem. And he is with us live via telephone. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. It's a, a pleasure and an honor to be back on your show and, and a personal mazel tov to you. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. We should continue to celebrate Smachot. Well, what was this day like for your father? Because he was somebody who was pretty uh, open and honest about what happened during his youth. And he uh, certainly, um, in, in many different fora, went ahead and... Uh, and the publicized uh, what he and other survivors had gone through. What was today like for him? Was he uh, in great demand on a day like today? So first of all, I, I appreciate you uh, mentioning my, my father, Ola Shalom. Um, the last time I was on your show, he was still with us. Um, and it is a powerful day for me uh, as uh, the child of a Holocaust survivor. And for my father, I don't know that the day itself uh, um, registered for me as being that much more powerful than sort of the daily existence of being the son of a survivor and for him. But I will say later in his life, when he started speaking publicly, he was in great demand. And some of my most powerful memories of my father is, is hearing my, my father share his story uh, to uh, live audiences and 
that was very, very powerful, as you can imagine. And then, of course, his story lives on in, in the book that was published by Yad Vashem, um, which is his memoir. Yeah, no question about it. Pretty amazing tale. Um, Yad Vashem is essentially the capital of what goes on today in the Jewish world. Obviously, in Israel, it is a day that uh, uh, people feel enveloped by the theme of the day. Halavai, I wish that people around the world, including us, would have that same feeling. But to the credit of those who are in the diaspora, there are many synagogues, many community groups, um, uh, many uh, organizations that do put together between last night and today appropriate uh, commemorations of Yom HaShoah. Uh, what is happening at Yad Vashem today? I don't know if, you, if you've ever spent a Yom HaShoah in Jerusalem, uh, but what could you tell us based on your inside knowledge of what they are doing uh, to make today what it is over in Jerusalem? Well, it, it, I have had the privilege of attending in person on the Yad Vashem campus, and it is extraordinary. It is the, as you said, the capital of of Holocaust education and commemoration and recordation. Uh, and um, the, 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 the most powerful piece is what happens, uh, what would have happened last night in Israel, where the entire country tunes into a powerful ceremony at Yad Vashem. The prime minister attends, the president attends, the chief rabbis attend, the heads of the uh, all the military branches attend, diplomats from around the world. Um, there are powerful speeches. There is a lighting, candle lighting ceremony that uh, is produced with um, the backstories of each of the of the people lighting the candles. It is an amazing um, program. It's something that people, by the way, I'm sure, could go online to Yad Vashem's website, uh, yadvashem.org. Uh, in Israel and probably watch the um, replay. During the day today, there's a whole series of programs. Uh, There's a wreath laying ceremony that includes um, uh, uh, dignitaries from around the world. There's a Kaddish at the um, hall uh, where the torches never, never goes out. There's, uh, you can imagine it's a full day of programming and, and it's something that in these days of, uh, disunity, where the whole country comes together uh, oh. of every background. I'm so glad you mentioned that because one of the themes when we were in Israel over the last couple of weeks is that Yom HaShoah and Yom HaZikaron are coming up and people are begging, high-profile people from both sides, or from all sides, I should say, are begging that all politics and all policy stay out of these days and let us be united as you remember the six million and of course subsequent to that remember those who have given their lives for the state of israel lawrence burian is with us live via telephone he's outlined for us what's happening at yad vashem today as uh, again the uh, uh, all of this uh, um, Holocaust remembrance theme uh, emanates from Yad Vashem in Jerusalem, and uh, hopefully people around the world are at least remembering that today is Yad Vashem, at least remembering that today is a significant date on the Jewish calendar. Now, the American Society for Yad Vashem and Yad Vashem present a concert for Sugihara happening at Carnegie Hall. This is going to be tomorrow night starting at 7 p.m. Now, Lawrence, I, I, I don't remember if members of the Gentile community uh, were involved in your father's story or not. I do find, and again, someone like yourself who spent so much time with Yad Vashem, 
I do find it remarkable sometimes that people who had very little uh, in common and uh, very little to do with people in our community or, again, in, you know, people of your father's background would, would risk their lives uh, to save others. It's a concept that is uh, sometimes difficult to fathom. Uh, often people will take the safe route and protect their own lives instead of risking their life. But Yad Vashem has done a remarkable job over the years of recognizing the righteous Gentiles, those who've gone ahead and did uh, what I just described. With that in mind, tell us about tomorrow night's event and why it's so significant. So um, you're 100% right, Malcolm, that uh, the Righteous Among the Gentiles initiative is something that is uh, uh, very, very uh, important for us to have a sense of hakarata tov for those among the Gentile world who, as you said, risk their lives uh, to save Jews. And it's not just hakarata tov, but it's also uh, serves as an inspiration for the power of what uh, a person can accomplish who's willing to stand on on what's just and right and humane. Yeah. The story of Sugihara stands out. I don't know if the listeners know the story of Sugihara. If they don't, they should. And then we'll tell you about the uh, the concert we're putting on in his honor, uh, uh, to, uh, as you said, uh, tomorrow night at Carnegie Hall. Sugihara, the best way I could describe him is he's the Japanese Schindler. Uh, Sugihara was a diplomat from Japan stationed in Kovno, Lithuania. As you can imagine, no connection to Jews or to the Jewish people. And as you know, Japan was an ally of the Nazis. And Sugihara was in Kovno, and he was looking at what was happening and the desperation of Jews to get out of Lithuania. And he started issuing exit visas to Jews looking to escape. And uh, the more he issued, the more, of course, demand there were for more and more visas. He was explicitly instructed from Tokyo to stop. Mm. And he just kept doing it. Um, They then uh, revoked his ability to give the, the kinds of visas that would allow people to come to Japan so he started issuing transit visas where you can transfer through Japan to a destination country. But of course, these Jews had no destination country. He bust the rules and started issuing these transit visas anyway, to the point where it's a disputed number, whether it was 4,000 or 6,000 um, transit visas, to the point where when he was fired, and lost his job in the diplomatic corps. And by the way, had a very difficult life afterwards. On his way out, he was when they took away his ability to issue visas, he started forging them. <laughs> and he was throwing them out the window of his car as he was leaving. Um, there's even, and this is disputed, there's even some word that he took the stamp, the official stamp, and gave it to a Jew so they can continue forging more visas. He's responsible for saving thousands of Jews who today, of course, between their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, we're talking about an estimate of over 100,000 Jews today are alive because of this one man. And and by the way, your listeners might be interested to know, he was instrumental in saving the Mir Yeshiva. Right. Uh, The whole story there was how they got out. 
uh, is because of Sugihara. So tomorrow night, uh, happening at Carnegie Hall, beginning at 7 p.m., the concert for Sugihara is dedicated to him and to all those who risk their lives to save others. Why is tomorrow night's event, which essentially looks like a um, classical music concert, why is this an appropriate uh, commemoration and tribute to Sugihara and that group of people? So let me tell you about the event. And I also, I'd be remiss not to say that although it's only tomorrow night, uh, folks can still purchase tickets on the Carnegie Hall website. I think they're $50. And there are sponsorship opportunities as well for VIP tickets through the American Society for Yad Vashem, where you can also attend the reception afterwards. Um, so um, there is a world, this is an amazing story, you know, I hope I have time to share it. There's a world famous uh, cellist named Christina Reiko Cooper. Christina is uh, half Japanese, half American. She wound up converting to Judaism and is now an Orthodox Jew who made Aliyah. When I say world famous, beautiful, uh, cellist who plays in the concert halls around the world. She married um, Len Rosen. I'm sure folks know the Rosen family, uh, Phil Rosen's brother. Uh, and, and, and as I said, they meet Aliyah together. It turns out the Rosen family, the father, was rescued by Sugihara. Wow. And when, when um, Christina, who's Japanese, an American and made Aliyah found out that her husband's family was saved by a Japanese diplomat. She set out on a, on a course to find the best way she could to commemorate his memory. And she came to the American society for Yad Vashem with the idea of having a uh, original piece of music um, composed in his honor uh, through the generosity, of talking about sports, of Lenny Wilf, uh, who I'm sure you know, the Wilf family, sure. uh, owner of the Minnesota Vikings, and, uh, involved in many Jewish causes, uh, made the donation to fund uh, 100% of the cost of creating this composition. It is a complete philharmonic as well as a liberato that is based on uh, Tehillim, Kapchaf Aleph, uh, sung in Yiddish. Um, and it's, you know, music is a, is a, is a powerful and a way to connect with people. One of the things we're looking to do is widen the, um, recognition of this great man and a way to draw in people of all types and it's uplifting and it's powerful and people can express themselves in different ways. Um, and this is just a magnificent way to honor his memory. We're, we're going to be joined at the concert by diplomats from Israel, from Lithuania, from Japan. Uh, Sugihara's son will be in attendance. They'll all be available at the VIP reception. Wow. Um, it's going to be a magical evening, um, and it's something that people shouldn't miss. This story is amazing that, <laughs> that she is now an Orthodox Jew and, uh, uh, and, and such an uh, aficionado 
uh, when it comes to classical music. Pretty remarkable. And uh, this concert for Sugihara takes place at Carnegie Hall tomorrow night, beginning at 7 p.m. at the Stern Auditorium, Perlman Stage at Carnegie Hall. Tickets available on the website, carnegiehall.org. Again, carnegiehall.org or the box office at 57th and 7th in New York City. And this concert commemorates the heroism of Sugihara, the Japanese vice consul to Lithuania who saved thousands of Jewish refugees during World War II. Sponsorship opportunities are available. Again, you can go to the website, carnegiehall.org, or speak to the folks at Yad Vashem, yadvashemusa.org. Again, yadvashemusa.org slash Sugihara sponsorships. Um, this is pretty remarkable. As I said, the, uh, the, the story is incredible, and the, um, uh, the fact, as you pointed out, that music gives uh, one a special connect has the ability to give one a special connection to a person or to an event, um, uh, certainly um, e- emphasizes what's going to be happening tomorrow night at Carnegie Hall. She'll be joined, by the way, by the New York City Opera Orchestras and Chorus under the leadership of quite an established conductor. Uh, They're going all out tomorrow night, Lawrence. It's going to be a a musical event befitting the memory of Sugihara. Can I add one one just word about Sugihara? Because this really is about him. Um, When you think about people who rescue Jews, and I mentioned, you know, he's the Schindler of of Asia. Um, What makes him even more unique is the fact that he had A, no personal gain. He didn't have a factory where he was bringing workers. He had no personal gain. Number two, the fact that he was a diplomat. So not only was he uh, uh, volunteering to do this, he was bucking his job and his government. And if you look at the list of righteous among the nations, I think there are barely 40 who were diplomats. So people with the most power were the least likely to help. Um, And he's the only Japanese individual to be honored as the righteous among the nations. This is a man who needs to be celebrated. It's the day uh, and the week to celebrate it. And this will be a powerful, meaningful, as you said, all out experience not to miss. Yeah. Um, look again. You've been to obviously you've been to Yad Vashem many many times, and one of the most um, inspiring and at the same time baffling parts of the visit is when you see the thousands that have been uh, uh, memorialized for their role in saving Jews. And I say it that way only because we are people of faith, we are people of values, we are people of dignity and ethics. And still, we wonder how we would behave in certain situations, especially as we wonder why more people were not uh, there to help Jews during the period of time of the Holocaust. So it is a, uh, as you pointed out earlier, it is uh, something that's that's truly self-sacrifice and something that has to be, I, I don't, I don't want to make it the theme of the day. The theme of the day is obviously remembering the six million, but I think it's such an important part of the day, remembering those uh, who uh, gave of themselves at the risk of their own lives. Uh, to help people in our community. And now, Lawrence, um, I am sure you have met many, many people who are children and grandchildren of those who were saved by Sugihara and other righteous Gentiles as well. So a lot of families owe a debt of gratitude. In fact, listener Chaya on our app has just written the following. My father was saved via a Sugihara visa, 
Both Mir Yeshiva and the Lithuanian branch of Lubavitch Chabad Yeshiva were rescued via Sugihara. So imagine the Jewish legacy that's alive because of him. Pretty amazing. Think about, we say that whoever saves a life saves a world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're talking about one man responsible for at least 100,000 living Jews today. And if you think about the Torah and the education and the institutions that he is personally responsible for saving, it's, it's really mind-boggling. And, our and, and, when, and, yeah. and, and he, didn't, he went back to Japan, and he didn't talk about it. He wasn't looking for recognition. It was very late in his life when Yad Vashem uh, was, uh, uh, had the opportunity to honor him. And by that time, unfortunately, he was too ill to travel to Jerusalem to accept the award. It's really, people should look up his story. It is so inspiring. Uh, Lawrence Burian is a, a member of the executive board of American Society of Yad Vashem. Uh, Today is obviously a very important day. Uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day. Tomorrow night, Carnegie Hall, a concert for Sugihara with all the themes and musical presentations that uh, Lawrence outlined for us. You can go to the website, yadvashemusa.org, yadvashemusa.org, a special um, musical presentation tomorrow night in Sugihara's memory starting at 7 p.m. at Carnegie Hall. Again, you can go to the website for sponsorship opportunities. You can go to carnegiehall.org or to the actual box office at 57th and 7th for tickets. Again, it's happening tomorrow night, presented by the American Society for Yad Vashem and Yad Vashem. And before we let Lawrence go, we should just mention that because it's Yad Vashem, check out the website in general. Uh, they do have the video up there in terms of today's ceremonies. They have the uh, list of sponsors who are going to be uh, responsible for the event. They've got a... Uh, a, a, um, a whole host of incredible um, information uh, about the uh, Jewish resistance during the Holocaust, um, the book of names that we've spoken about on the air. It's all there on the website. Go to yadvashem.org again, yadvashem.org, and any part of the ceremony which has been completed already between last night and today that you want to view is going to be up there on the website as well. Lawrence Burian, I thank you. Um, uh, today is uh, a very important day. Tomorrow night, a very important concert uh, in memory of someone who was uh, responsible, as you said, uh, for the lives of uh, over 100,000 Jews at this point, uh, just based on the effort that he made to save the thousands that he did directly. And I thank you for joining us today, and I hope more and more people around the world uh, recognize uh, what members of other communities have done uh, it, during our history and... Uh, most importantly today, uh, take a few moments to remember the six million and the sacrifice that they made uh, during World War II. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and thank you for everything that you do, Nachum. It's, uh, it's amazing. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. Lawrence Burian, executive board member, American Friends, uh, excuse me, American Society for Yad Vashem. And uh, today, a very important day, day, tomorrow night, the Amazing musical presentation, a concert for Sugihara at Carnegie Hall. More coming up. You're listening to a Tuesday morning broadcast, JM in the AM, as we continue with more on this Yom HaShoah.
J.M. in the A.M. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Round, excuse me, around the world on the web at NahumSegal.com and the NahumSegal Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Well, um, we've spent time yesterday and today talking about what I believe is one of the most effective and um, innovative exhibits in general, uh, out there. But then add the uh, component of uh, Yom HaShoah and um, you have something that's really, really meaningful. What, what's happening? Let me explain what's happening and then we'll introduce our special guest via telephone. A replica of a World War II era cattle car that was used to transport Jews to Nazi death camps is going to be in Times Square today as part of the OU Southern NCSY's Hate Ends Now Tour. Remember, we've spoken about the Hate Ends Now Tour. It was basically... In Florida, and now it's uh, essentially nationwide. The tour uh, is um, uh, has a purpose to combat anti-Semitism and tolerance and racism, and to commemorate Yom Hashoah and the 80th anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. Now, those of you who are in Manhattan today, there'll be a lot of elementary and high schools coming, community groups coming throughout the day. There'll be a VIP event tonight at seven o'clock with elected officials and community leaders. But if you're in the area today between 8 o'clock, well, it started already. If you're in the area between now and 9 p.m., if you're in the area between now and 9 p.m., make sure to visit the exhibit in Times Square, Broadway Pedestrian Plaza between 45th and 46th Streets in New York City. If you're in the area today, Times Square, Broadway between 45 and 46, make sure to visit and give OU's Southern NCSY uh, the uh, the boost that they deserve for thinking of this idea and for and for figuring out how to how to do it. <laughs> I mean, to bring an exhibit like this to Times Square can't be easy. Todd Cohn is with us live via telephone. Todd is regional director for Southern NCSY. He oversees the organization's national Holocaust education initiatives, including facilitating virtual tours of the Auschwitz concentration camp and launching the Hate Ends Now traveling cattle car exhibit. The cattle car, stepping in and out of darkness, which runs in collaboration with Shadow Light, is a replica of a Holocaust-era cattle car. Visitors are provided with a 360-degree immersive presentation, including testimonials from survivors, as well as a brief history of the Holocaust. Under Todd Cohn's leadership, the exhibit has attracted 60,000 visitors from over 15 universities, 75 high schools, 
as well as 15 showings have been opened to the public. The exhibit was installed early this morning in Times Square, Broadway between 45th and 46th Street before joining NCSY. Todd was involved in numerous Jewish educational initiatives, and now NCSY has the um, uh, the privilege of having him lead this effort. Todd Cohen, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Thank you for having me. You know what we think of the exhibit. I've made that clear multiple times. Bringing it to Times Square is brilliant. I can't imagine it's been easy. Are you expecting a tremendous amount of attention in the center of New York City today. Yeah, well, listen, Times Square is as iconic as it gets. It's, it's the crossroads of the world. Yeah. There are, I think, something like upwards of a half a million people that travel through Times Square every day. And <laughs> half of those are, are tourists. So the opportunity to be able to have that kind of exposure that, you know, you're talking about tourists from all over the world. So the opportunity to get that type of, um, again, that type of exposure and to share this message of fighting anti-Semitism, of uh, increasing awareness about the Holocaust is, it's an incredible opportunity. Like you said, with the contrast of Times Square, it's, and uh, Yom HaShoah, it is it's, uh, you know, everything's aligned. The, um, look, there are, you know, the museums certainly serve their purpose, um, do a very good job with the education. Obviously, you know, the lectures and discussions, all very, very important, especially on a day like today. But there is something about the cattle car immersive experience that is uh, not duplicate, that cannot be duplicated, in my opinion. Uh, you've been involved in a lot. Of, you've been in, you've been on March of the Living. You've been a leader on March of the Living. You, you've been involved in a lot of very important programs that are physical, immersive, and that you know it, it actually you know brings people to a specific place and and helps bring them back to a specific time. Um, what can you tell us about how unique this is? That with all the things that are offered out there, uh, this is such an effective manner for people to understand what Jews went through during World War II. Right, right. You, you nailed it. It's exactly right. Listen, this is what NCSY does. We are a hallmark of what NCSY is, is innovation. And at the core of what we do is making things like this, like Holocaust education, like Judaism, relevant to today's teens. And most, not, there are a lot of things Listen, Nachum, you know, in life, I love being impressed, and it happens so infrequently. And <laughs> in, the, in, 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 in the teen space, in museums, like, they all serve a purpose, and they're very impactful. But they, there are a lot of dinosaurs also. And, you know, certainly in, 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 in the teen space. So we need to, you know, we... What we, we can't apply yesterday's model of engagement of today's team to today's teens. Holocaust is no different than, than anything else. And the basic approach that we take is we really want to have low boundary of entry and high content. Right. All right, I'll say that again. That's, that's really our formula. Right. Low boundary of entry and high content. Yeah. Just like our flagship program, 
Jewish Student Union, JSU, where we're in hundreds of public schools across the country, the idea is that we're coming to them. And this, this is no different. The idea is how many people are really, like you said, I've been on the March of Living. It is an incredible, life-changing, transformational experience. Yeah. But what percentage of the population is going to make their way you know, to Auschwitz, is right. going to make their way to Poland? And I really didn't want to do this. I didn't want to get into a whole comparison, but I, but I think it's worthwhile for a moment. You know, March, And I've never been on it. I've never been on March of the Living. I'd have to depend on people like you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. It's an immersive experience with a lot of inspiration, right? I mean, the, the march is inspiring. You're with others. You know, you're, you're going through that physical activity. Uh, obviously, it ends with, with some type of positive theme because the whole trip is designed to you know to end in israel to celebrate israel's independence etc and the israeli flags are flying so um, again i'm not trying to minimize how powerful an experience it is but it's a different type of experience here when a group of kids walks into that cattle car that cold atmospheric condition of a cattle car and i know that you know obviously there'll be discussions and maybe some singing etc i mean different things for different people but just that that the the ability to to put oneself for a few minutes in that cold you know hopeless atmosphere that so many of our ancestors had to, to me that's so poignant and to me that's so real and, and I'm assuming, again, as someone like yourself who's been on all of these types of programs, I'm assuming that that's really what's unique about this one. So th- that is true. Um, however, our, our objective in, in education and especially in the Holocaust space, our goal is never to recreate an experience, of course, right? But what we are trying to do is educate today's teens and the general public and this is, like you said, it is a opportunity for them to learn with multiple senses. It's not just to read it in a book. It's not walking into a museum and seeing pictures or words on a wall. Those things don't speak to today's teens. So this is something that's tangible. It's something that's concrete. It's something that they can see and, and they can help understand what our people went through 80 years ago in a much more real way. Yeah, 100%. Todd Cohn is with us. All right, uh, you've seen this many, many times now. I mean, again, anybody in Times Square today or if you work in Manhattan or if you're anywhere in the area, try to get there. It's there until 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, and we'll talk about this 7 p.m. program in a minute. But it, until 9 o'clock tonight, you have an opportunity to go and to be part of this. And it's really, in my opinion, one of the best ways one could spend time on, uh, on Yom HaShoah um, visiting this exhibit. Um, uh, what reactions have you gotten? I, I can only imagine as this exhibit has, has traveled, um, and it was, you know, down in Florida and then in other parts of the country, I'd have to imagine that countless people have said to you, we never knew that this is what Jews went through. Even this one small part of the whole Holocaust experience. We never realized that this is how Jews were treated, that this is how the Nazis went about, um, uh, you, you know, this entire operation. I, I would imagine you've heard that many, many times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, when you look at the statistics, the number of people that have could mention even a single concentration camp or even ever heard of Auschwitz or know the number of victims from the Holocaust, the numbers are staggering. But the real problem isn't when 
a you know someone who's not Jewish, part of the general public, doesn't recognize those things. But when our own people, when grandchildren of of the victims and the survivors of the Holocaust don't know that information, then that day is a very trying, sad day for yep. the Jewish people. Yep. And unfortunately, you've met a lot that have no <laughs> have no clue what the answers to those questions are. Right. So you you know it's, this was this was unbelievable. But yesterday it was, or two days ago, the cattle car was driving up 95, making its way from from South Florida uh, to New York. And I got a couple of videos from the driver, from the professional truck driver who was was uh, you know taking it up to uh, Times Square, and there were people on the highway that pulled him over and asked, can we please, you know, can we please see this? This is incredible, um, both Jews and non-Jews alike. And he said at, at first, when it first happened, he thought like maybe he was doing something wrong. There's like, you know, is there something sticking out? Is there a problem falling apart? People were like literally waving him off the highway and, um, and he obliged and he sent me some videos and there were, I mean, it, the entire spectrum from, um, from from Jews to non-Jews alike, just I, I want to touch this. I want to see this. I want to understand this. I want to dive in next to this. And um, it's a uh, it's highly impactful. It's just well, a very very pe- people view it as a piece of history. And frankly, people view it again. I, I get that it's a replica, but people view it as as a place where where Jews suffered, as a place where hundreds of Jews collectively were just you know put into a painful and suffering situation um and that and that's one of the reasons it's so impactful by the way i I know there are plans for other college campuses but this has this exhibit ever been on a college campus yet in this country yeah yeah so we've been to about 15 colleges colleges and universities now what what's the the what's the collective reaction i mean god forbid i hope nobody nobody's ever defaced it or you know painted it with graffiti i mean what has it and we know what what we know the spirit of college campuses these days when it comes to israel when it comes to jews uh has the exhibit gone to campuses you know and survived safely has it gone and, and, and made an impact i mean has there been a positive reaction to it so in all instances the answer is a resounding yes it with without exception um, at no point have we ever had any protests. Like you said, no one has ever defaced it. Um, I think that next week is going to be a real hallmark for the tour because we're taking it to, to Harvard. And um, Will that be on Yomat's mode? Will that be? What day is that scheduled for? That's on the 24th. So that would be, uh, that would be Monday, right? Yeah. Yeah. That'd that's, be Monday. Yeah. Yep. And so... Um, we, we've had such a warm reception from the Jewish community, from the Hillel, from uh, other campus organizations. But that being said, Harvard was uh, came in as the number one most anti-Semitic university in America in a recent study. <laughs> and so um, and this is a university that when it, when it started, Hebrew was mandatory. Right. Um, we know the first the, commencement the first, first commencement address at Harvard was delivered in Hebrew, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, so this is going to be this is a an incredible opportunity for us. This is you know where we need to be taking. Has it, it been and, on any Ivy League campus yet, or is no, the first? This is the first no, one. 
No, this is the first. This is the first. Wow. The hub of intellectualism in America, the Ivy League campus. <laughs> we'll see what the reaction is next week. Very curious about that. Todd Cohn is with us, Southern NCSY, responsible for a, an exhibit that has really taken off from the first time that we spoke about it. My gosh. Uh, what's, what it's already accomplished. Those of you out there who have a group, who have a school, who have a community organization, or you yourself, if you're anywhere near Times Square today, from now until 9 p.m., uh, the replica of the World War II era a cattle car used to transport Jews to Nazi death camps will be in Times Square as part of the OU Southern NCSY Hate Ends Now Tour to combat anti-Semitism and tolerance and racism. 7 o'clock tonight, essentially your day in Times Square is going to wrap up uh, with a VIP event, there'll be local elected officials, community leaders, Holocaust survivors, U.S. Army veterans. Who are you expecting tonight, and what do you think that that hour is going to be like? So tonight at 7 o'clock, we are having a ceremony. And the, uh, the ceremony is being done in conjunction with an organization called R6 Million. And R6 Million makes yard site candles with QR codes. If you scan the codes... The, it takes you to a link with the story of a survivor. We're going to be handing out hundreds of these candles uh, that have been retrofitted because you can't light a fire in Times Square with electric lights. And we're going to be doing a, uh, an educational NTSY-style ceremony um, with hundreds and hundreds of public and Yeshiva Day School students coming together uh, in a tremendous, form of solidarity and tremendous achdos uh, in Times Square uh, as the backdrop by this cattle car. And we're going to be saying never again. Together, the youngest generation, the, uh, the future leaders of our community, of our people, are going to be singing together from all backgrounds, coming together and saying that we are one. And... Um, it is, it is going to be a, um, a very, uh, very impactful, very powerful experience. Any idea if uh, city and state officials will join you tonight? So we, we've been in touch and have gotten a lot of warm reception from the mayor's office and from the speaker, the council, uh, the council's office and a number of other, um, a, no, a number of other politicians, but, um, they, they've all told us, uh, and this is to no fault of their own, uh, more, more mine, um, that I was just uh, kind of late to the show. So we don't have any guarantees. We do have a, a, a confirmed Israeli dignitary um, who is coming uh, during the day, but we, we can't share who that is or when they're coming for security reasons. Um, but um, that is, uh, is going to be a, a, certainly ha- uh, be a highlight. Um, and uh, there is no shortage of unique, uh, unique speakers that we've, uh, that we've lined up um, throughout the day. Yeah, so, and, like and, said, and, and don't be so hard on yourself because this, you, know, you, you know what it's like trying to get something done in Times Square. It took some time, and you were able to get it done at the last minute. So uh, don't be so hard right, on yourself so, that the city officials <laughs> only found out about it. I think it's remarkable that it's in Times Square to begin with. And I remind everybody that they could be there on Broadway between 45th and 46th Street at any time of today until tonight at 9 p.m. and and see the cattle car exhibit, which is so effective, especially on this Yom show. I I interrupted you. You were saying? No, no. I'm just. Uh, it's it's a it's a full lineup. That's all. Right. Um, throughout the day, we're having 
a lot of different schools and groups that are coming. And uh, throughout the day, we're having a lot of uh, just very uh, impactful uh, speakers who are going to be joining us. So, uh, by the uh, way, yeah. by the way, when people walk into that cattle car, and I don't know if you're if you're doing this in New York, because I know things were put together at the last minute, but are they getting, you know, some type of uh, exhibit literally within the car? Because I know there were times when um, uh, video presentations were there and, and, and musical yeah. musical presentations. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that going to be happening today when people visit? Yeah, yeah. So inside the so the the cattle car itself features a 21 minute, 360 degree immersive presentation. Oh my gosh! That's and amazing. that presentation includes testimonials from two survivors, a brief history of the Holocaust, and it wraps up with a with a warning to participants of what ha- and maybe even more than a warning, it empowers the participants uh, to to take a stand. Uh, it tells them what happens when hate goes unchecked. And so that is the point, is that they leave with a sense of empowerment. There's a really neat program that we do with the groups when they leave. Uh, we, before they go in, and mo- when we're in a high school setting, we share a curriculum with the teachers. So they're really prepared before they come into the exhibit. But once they actually get to the exhibit, we do a framing exercise with them to further prepare them. We then take them into the cattle car. They see this 21 minute presentation, which is designed to just ask, you know, to further the conversation, to get them, you know, we're on the, on the coattails of Pesach. And the goal of this is to have them asking questions. There's no way we can give them a full comprehensive education in just such a short period of time, but we can pick their interest when they leave. This is really cool. You'll love this. So what happens? They, they step out of the cattle car, and there's an inkwell that they put their thumbprint into, and they have a canvas uh, right next to it on an easel. And they put their thumbprint into the inkwell, put their thumbprint on the canvas, and they take a pen and they, make, they write a message. This is a message to themselves and a message to the world of how they're going to make a difference, how they're going to be a change agent for positive change in the world. And... When these groups uh, leave, they take this canvas with them as a memory, as a memento, and they put it up in their classrooms for them to remember and to, uh, you know, to, be a, to be a reminder to them of that commitment that they made on the day that they saw the, the cattle car. Todd, you've done this right from the beginning. And I don't mean timing-wise. I, I mean in terms of being correct and uh, just getting it right. This has been su- – from the time it was launched, it, it looked like a unique project which had, which had com- tremendous potential, and you have really realized the potential and, uh, and have utilized every angle of this uh, to try to educate kids and adults alike, frankly. Today's Holocaust Remembrance Day. We really need to remind the adults as well about what today is all about and uh, – and how um, and 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 what type of uh, of history twentieth uh, century jury went through? The replica of the World War II era cattle car is in Times Square today. The VIP event is tonight at seven o'clock. That's how the day will end. But all day long on Broadway between forty fifth and forty sixth, at the minimum, show support for the work that Todd Cohen and his staff have done to <coughs> excuse me to bring this educational project to different places around the country, today being Times Square on this Yom HaShoah. And, uh, Todd, I guess uh, it's important to, um, to give people information if they want to bring the exhibit or be in touch with you about uh, doing something um, uh, with, the, um, 
with your program. Uh, what would you tell people to do? How would they get in touch? Uh, yeah, reach out. I would love to talk to you. We have a, um, we, we've got, we've got a, a, a growing list of organizations that are really looking forward to, to uh, having this exhibit at their organization, at their community, or what we have oftentimes, especially in Florida, we have grandparents saying, I want to make sure that my grandchild sees this exhibit. Right. And our, our next stop being in Boston, in the greater Boston area, is because of that. It was sent to Boston uh, by by family members in Florida saying, I want to make sure that my family members see this. Um, but the best way is to reach me um, at my email address. It's my last name, Cone. I misspell it, C-O-H-N. <laughs> and my first letter uh, of my first name, T, at ncsy.org. Simple as that. Good and it's, uh, it's, it's, the demand is growing and the demand is driving, hopefully, our, our future expansion. We recognize that one cattle car isn't going to do it. And so the demand from the communities, from teachers, from parents, most importantly from students, is tremendous. And so um, we literally have a list of probably a couple hundred institutions that are in, interested in, have, in, in hosting the, the exhibit. And so we absolutely are looking for partners and people that understand our vision and understand, unfortunately, the, the trajectory of the world when hate goes unchecked. Yeah. And we are looking for, for partners to help us uh, to expand our footprint, to expand the number of cattle cars so we can service even more students, more teens, more communities. Todd, you have our full support. You know that from the beginning. It's an unbelievable program. Great job. And every step you take really is uh, a, a giant one. And today in Thank Times you. Square, I think, is just uh, phenomenal. And I hope you meet thousands of people today who appreciate uh, what you've done and who understand better on this Holocaust Remembrance Day what Yom HaShoah is all about. Thank you, my friend, and good luck today. Thank you, Nochum. I would be remiss if I didn't just also uh, give a shout-out uh, to... Um, Jordana Leibowitz, who this was, this project was her dream. It was a bold vision and, um, her partner in this, uh, Sagi Kahan Rapport, who's with us today. Um, he is the, the creative genius that really, uh, who really built the cattle car together. Uh, they formed an organization called Shadowlight, who NCSY has been partnering with for just over a year now. And so it's been a wonderful partnership and we look forward to continuing that with them. And like uh, we've been discussing, taking it to many more students, many more communities in the future. Well, uh, let, yeah. Let both of them know that we admire them greatly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for your time. I really appreciate you having me on. A pleasure. Good luck today. I hope I'll have an opportunity to be there. I don't know if my schedule is going to work out, but between now and 9 p.m., everybody out there, try to work it into your schedule to be in Times Square and to visit the exhibit. It is pretty remarkable. Um, again, Broadway between 45th and 46th Street from now until 9 p.m. Uh, and call a vote to um, Todd Cohn and his entire staff for uh, bringing this uh, program which started in Florida and has visited different places around the country, all the way to Times Square, crossroads of the world. More coming up. It's Yom HaShoah. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day, and you're listening to our special broadcast 
here at JM in the AM. A child was born into this world in 1933. A blessing for a Jewish home in Frankfurt, Germany. His father taught him olive base. He learned to read and write. Each night he heard his mother say these words to him. Yosef, my son, the Lord our God is one. God is very near, Yosef, my dear. Yosef, my son, we are the chosen ones. Do not fear, we'll always be together. Yosef was a boy of nine. In 1942, he had a secret hiding place like all young children do. Horrified, he saw them take his mom and dad away. Alone, he heard his mother's final words to him. Yosef, my son, take some food and run. God is very near, Yosef, my dear. Yosef, my son, we are the chosen ones. Do not fear, we'll always be together. To feel his hand on the western wall was a lifelong dream come true. He'd made it to Jerusalem, the city of the Jew. He opened up his sitter as he had done each day. He prayed to God for his mother and his father. And an old man stood there praying for a son he thought long dead. That voice. That's my father's voice, was all that Yosef said. He looked into the old man's eyes, tears came down his face. He fell into his father's embrace. Yosef, my son, the Lord our God is one. Now come, your mother's here, Yosef, my dear. Yosef, my son, a miracle has been done. From now on, we'll always be together. Yosef, my son, the Lord our God is one. God is very near, Yosef, my dear. Yosef, my son, we are the children.
J.M. and the A.M. on this uh, Yom HaShoah Holocaust Remembrance Day. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We've spoken about the replica of the cattle car in Times Square. That's until 9 p.m. tonight, Broadway between 45th and 46th Street. We spoke about the Sugihara concert tomorrow night at Carnegie Hall. You can go to the Yad Vashem website for sponsorship opportunities. You can go to the Carnegie Hall website for tickets. That's happening tomorrow night. In Israel, of course, the day began with the siren in memory of the six million. Actually, it began last night with the commemorations and the and the way that Israel is enveloped in Holocaust remembrance, something that we try to duplicate for people around the world. Not easy, but we try to give everybody the feeling of what a Holocaust remembrance day should be like. Today's the 35th anniversary of March of the Living. Kolakavo to those who've made the trip, including Robert Kraft, who's there, by the way. And the United States ambassador to Israel is there as well. Uh, and many others in Israel as we speak and are, uh, and are participating in March of the Living for the 35th consecutive year. Pretty amazing. More coming up. You're listening to a Yom HaShoah commemoration, and you're listening to JM in the AM. Thank you. 
jam in the AM with Vegas, of course. Tuesday morning, you're my show. Today, we remember the six million and this incredible uh, feeling that those in Israel have of being enveloped by the theme of the day, we are trying to convey to our listeners around the world, at least reminding people that last night and today is Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Remembrance Day, and hopefully uh, between the schools and shuls and organizations and the efforts we've been discussing this morning, hopefully people will at some point acknowledge the um, uniqueness and importance of today, a day of remembrance, a day of um, looking at the past, at one of the most horrific episodes in Jewish history, certainly modern Jewish history, a day of uh, commemoration of the 80th anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, which is one of the themes in Yad Vashem today, and also the 35th anniversary of March of the Living. A unique pro- We've had the opportunity to discuss some unique projects this morning. That one uh, began uniquely 35 years ago, and my gosh, uh, I would imagine there were some naysayers who didn't think it would have any lasting value. And boy, oh boy, it has, uh, 35 years later, affected thousands who've participated, including those who are there today. You may recall that our good friend Yummy Schachter introduced us to uh, Montana Tucker a few months ago. We featured her and Yummy on the air to discuss a short docu-series. Uh, this is a 10-part docu-series about Montana Tucker's uh, grandparents' experiences during the Holocaust. And she had the reason I said short is because each episode is is a minute or two, and um, it it was it played to critical acclaim, big uh, a lot of attention on TikTok. Uh, in general, she's a very big uh, social media influencer, and um, and this uh, amazing um, short docu series got a lot of attention um, uh, throughout the entire world. And to her credit, um, it deserved a. Um, it deserved all the praise that it got. Now, Yummy informs me that, uh, ironically, on this Yom HaShoah, there's an opportunity to actually recognize, to have a, uh, a, a an actual uh, uh, organization, um, awards group, recognize this docu-series for what it's done. And uh, he is with us live via telephone. Yummy Shachter, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. How are you? Baruch Hashem. You remember the beginning of all this? Do you remember the uh, the concept being tossed around of doing very, very short episodes that hopefully would uh, play to the attention span of both young and old these days? I certainly do. I certainly do. It started with a uh, statistic that I read that 60% of teens in America have never heard of the Holocaust, wow. uh, which to me was frightening. And we were trying to figure out, well, how do we educate teens today, uh, especially on, you know, the type of content they're probably not interested in uh, getting involved with. And uh, the solution seemed to be, let's uh, deliver content and deliver education in the form in which they're used to consuming it and on the platforms in which they're used to consuming content. Um, I, I definitely did not expect uh, what we've seen in terms of the success, you know, I was hoping it would be successful. I never, ever could have dreamed it would have been as successful as it has been. And like you said, it's uh, up for a Webby Award. Um, you know, that's that's going on this week. So 
been pretty incredible. And, and that's and that's all consumer driven, right? I mean, people out there who want to recognize what Montana Tucker's done, they they literally could vote for her in in you know in these Webby Awards. Sure, sure. It's a, so they have they have different categories. The Webby Awards is an annual award show uh, for online content, and they have different categories. And this one happens to be one of the finalists in the social impact category. Um, but, uh, you know, it certainly helps that she was, you know, she was invited to the White House and to the Capitol and she was on Nightline and Extra and Kelly Clarkson show. This has been a lot of, you know, in addition to the 10 million plus views of the content online, you know, it's also been discussed and, and promoted on, on TV and all over the place. Yummy Shachter's with us live via telephone. You'll tell us in a minute how to vote for it. Um, I would imagine, I, I, I'm only guessing here, but I would imagine that in addition to the critical acclaim and all the uh, all the positive reaction that she got to the series, I'd have to imagine she suffered through through some negative reaction. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who, you know, like to use certain opportunities um, uh, to espouse hate. Um, how would you how would you describe um, how she dealt with both of those, the quote unquote success? and the quote-unquote criticism? So I think, thankfully, the, uh, the positive feedback and positive reinforcement, you know, very much outweighed the hate. She got some very, very serious hate online, that's for sure. But the amount of lives that she changed and the amount of, you know, teens and adults alike that she uh, used this to educate, you know, was well worth it. And it was, you know, to me it was pretty incredible because, um, not only did she, she already started getting hate from the first time she ever posted a picture of her grandparents and said that they, that she was Jewish and they were Holocaust survivors. This hate started very strong then. So the fact that she even was willing to entertain this idea to go to Poland and do the Saki series was already a big deal. The fact that she did a 10 day social media freeze, which for someone like that is like taking their oxygen away. <laughs> um, you know, just to do this and release one episode a day. And the fact that she, really, really did not care about anything that would come out of this, you know, negatively. She just felt this is the right thing to do. I have a responsibility. I have 15 million followers and I have a responsibility to me and to them to be authentically myself and to tell my story. And I have a right to tell that story. And the fact that she, you know, did it without worrying about, you know, all the hate she was getting is pretty incredible. And I wish more influencers would do the same. Uh, and the key was going to Poland, right? I mean, this is something you can't, you, you can't have this kind of impact, you know, doing it from your kitchen in America. Going to Poland, being there on the spot, right. that was I mean, that was really the key to the whole project. Yeah. I mean, when I met her, I didn't even know she was Jewish. And then, you know, she mentioned her Bubby and Zadie. My eyes almost popped out of my head. And I said, tell me about them. And she said, you know, they're Holocaust survivors. They were in Auschwitz. And I said, have you ever gone to Auschwitz? Have you ever been to Poland? She said, no. I went to Israel on birthright. And that's really you know, the extent of my Jewish travels. Um, and I said, I'm going to send you and we're going to do this project. Hmm. And uh, the rest is history. Those of you who want to give a boost to a really important project, you can vote for Montana Tucker's How to Never Forget. That's the uh, uh, the title of the docuseries, How to, colon, Never Forget. Montana Tucker is her name. Uh, it's in the category of social impact for the Webby Awards. Yummy Schachter, what would be the easiest way for people to vote in this category? 
it's a good question. I think if I knew before five minutes ago that I was going to be on this morning, I probably would have had it ready. But the Webby's, the Webby's has a website, and if you go to the Webby's website, there are the voting is open until the end of this week for different categories. So in the, you know, if if you go to Webby's.com, it's probably the website, and you search for the social impact uh, category. This is one of the few that's prominently displayed as a uh, front runner for that category. The Webby Awards. The category is social impact. Again, the docu-series, whether you've seen it or not, is Montana Tucker's How to Never Forget. And we do recommend, especially on a day like today, check out the series um, on social media and uh, and spread it around uh, to everybody out there who uh, you think would benefit from it. It's a short series with tremendous impact. And we are highly recommending it. Uh, Yami Schechter, I thank you for bringing this to our attention on this Yom HaShoah. And hopefully uh, projects like this will continue to get a lot more uh, positive attention. Thank you. Have a great day. More coming up. It's a Yom HaShoah edition of JM in the AM. As uh, well, we start wrapping things up on this Tuesday morning broadcast. I do want to remind you in the category of uh, special programming, keep in mind... That next week is Yom HaZikaron on Tuesday, Israel Memorial Day. Keep in mind that it is Yom HaTzmo'ud, Israel Independence Day, on Wednesday. And that's Israel's 75th birthday. This coming, well, not this coming, but a week from tomorrow, next week on Wednesday. Keep that all in mind because um, we, of course, will spend those two days with special programming right here at JM in the AM. Stained is our past with bad memories. Tears of water, a forest of trees. Are the fruit and the moist We shan't forget the actions decree. Chimneys were smoking, the world turned long. How could this happen to our very own
from their beds, taken away to die. We must awaken, our souls must cry.
JM in the AM. Today is the 12th day in the counting of the Omer. Today is day 12 in the counting of the Omer. If you got to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world of web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network. And of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing uh, broadcast for us here at JM in the AM. Those of you who missed any of our Yom HaShoah Holocaust Commemorance Day or Commemoration Day program, check out the archive, NachumSiegel.com, and of course, on the NSN app. If you don't receive our daily thread and or our weekly newsletter, just write to Rummy. He'll rectify that. AF at NahumSiegel.com. AF at NahumSiegel.com. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Don't forget the cattle car exhibit in Times Square until 9 o'clock tonight. Broadway between 45th and 46th Street. Go and see it. Bring friends and family along. Until tomorrow, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>